This is Westside Barbell with strength and conditioning legend, Louis Simmons. Westsidebarbell.com, the strongest website in the world. Welcome to the Westside Barbell podcast. Today, I'm joined with Louis Simmons as always, and today's topic is on Wes McCormick. Lou, we've had many emails asking on the success of Wes, who is a world record holder in the 165-pound division with a squad of 890 pounds. I'm wondering, can you explain to the listeners how Wes has achieved such great results through training here? Uh, sure, Tom. You know, Wes came here from Michigan. He was pretty much tapped out. He said he trained a couple gyms. He had uh, 800 squat, which is very good. as a top ranked at the time. And 1880 total, which is also top ranked, but he wasn't going anywhere. So he came in to West Side, and, you know, we saw he was very strong. He wasn't real explosive, so we worked on a lot of explosive power. But, um, in, you know, basically how he does it in, in um, one year, uh, Wes uses a conjugate system like everybody else at West Side, meaning he changes exercises all the time, bars. The volume is uh, uh, alternated, and the intensities, of course. One day high volume, moderate intensity. The other day maximal intensity, meaning an all-time record and smaller volume, at least with the barbells. Um, so uh, he also trains eight times a week. Wes does four normal training workouts like everyone at West Side, and then he does four small workouts for whatever uh, lagging part that he thinks he has. Could be low back, it could be triceps, it could be upper back. So whatever, he comes in and works on the areas that's lagging. Um, first of all, Friday's our first day of the week. Uh, uh, we try to group uh, three lifts around the weekend. Friday is squatting and Saturday speed benching. And Monday's max effort. So I, I have always found it to put these three workouts on the weekend because that's where meets are on the weekend. Uh, only the max effort bench is on Wednesday. And I've got groups in this gym that do max effort bench on Sunday and it never works. It gave them too much time or not enough time to recover from meets. That group always failed to make progress in meets where the group that always maxed out on Wednesday and the bench always made progress. But, uh, you know, we're talking about Wes's whole um, um, training philosophy here. And so uh, first, let's take a look at it. This, he used a system that West Side's used. We're always modifying it and making it better. But six men have held world records in the squad at West Side Barbell, countless women. And um, so it's, uh, first of all, for speed strength, it's done always on a parallel box uh, with a very wide stance. Why the wide stance? It builds up the hips. Everyone's got strong legs, mostly from sports. West was a hockey player, and of course they have strong legs. But the hips are always the downfall for everyone. Um, they One, they don't have the flexibility, and two, they don't have the strength in the glutes and the, and the upper hamstrings and the lower back. So um, we um, we concentrate a lot on a lot of that. Um, basically, we use a three-week pendulum wave. I hope you know what this is. Um, I use it for the same, the same come from great Russian uh, training that um, from periodization. Uh, that's how they get their strongest guys. We normally use... Uh, with when we're using bands, we use 50 the first week, 55 the second, and 60 percent of bar weight plus 25 percent band tension. This is for accommodating resistance. Um, there's 25 lifts per workout in the squat, so that's 100 per month basically for speed strength. Um, and the first week, if you look at Wes, he would use for a 900 squatter, he would use 450 and 200 pound of band tension. That's a, that's top value of 650. So that's 18,500 pounds of work on that on that squat that day. Um, and then the second week, it's um, it's uh, 490, and, and um, I'm sorry, it's 505 and 200, so it's 705, it's 21,000. 
and then he does 25 squats, five sets of five normally, with 540 and 200 pound of band tension. At 740, that's 22,200 pounds. All right, that's a big that's a big uh, squat workout. It averages to how do I acquire 200? Wes uses two bands. Um, in some ways, he uses 140 pound of band, and other ways he uses um, 250 pound of band, and sometimes more. But it, it basically breaks down to close to 200 pounds. Um, he constantly after uh, three weeks, we we rotate. You go from you go from 50, 55, 60 back to 50. When this is done, you change bars. Uh, Wes uses all bars: camber, 14 inch camber, bow bar, safety squat bar, uh, bulldog squat bar. Uh, we even do some front squats. But all those bars I just mentioned, uh, the percentage would be the same. Uh, everyone in my gym has always seen to max out with about the same weight on any of these bars as he do a regular squat bar. Um, we have an uh, old Jesse Hoagland bar. It's the man that invented the safety squat bar years ago that Fred Hatfield made famous. And it's been altered. I altered it, and it's 35% harder than any other bar you'll ever find. So that's the only bar that we have to change the weights on. Um, you know, it wouldn't be exactly like they squat. Um, Wes sometimes uses, um, um, you know, chains. He'll use um, a 120-pound chain up to 160-pound chain. Very awkward for Wes. When you're a small guy, uh, chains can be awkward landing on the ground and coming back off the ground. Uh, this seems to make him very, very strong. And... Um, so uh, uh, basically, he'll use that, or he'll use, um, like I said, the band tension on other days. Um, after that, then he goes into speed pulls. He'll use he, here we do 20 or 21 deadlifts. So if we just take, he uses 310, 50 percent of his deadlift, which is 620, and 220 pound of band tension. Um, that equals 530 at the top for 20 lifts. So now you're looking at 10,600 pounds of volume for the deadlift. Now, this is all for speed strength. So if you look at this, it's, it's approximately 30,000 pounds of squatting and deadlifting done every Friday, every Friday throughout the year, minus the times when we go to contests. Um, uh, and this is only 20% of Wes's total volume. Uh, our training is designed to only use a barbell 20% of the time for all three lifts, and 80% is small spatial exercises. You know, reverse hypers, back raises, good mornings, um, uh, inverse curl, belt squatting. Um, but uh, one of Wesley's favorite exercises that seemed to really help his deadlift and his squat is static pulls. Now, you know, um, this is common back in the 60s. Bob Hoffman made a rack. It's called, uh, and it was actually called a Hoffman method. You pull from one pin to another and hold it against the pin for three to six seconds. And Wesley normally does around um, 15 to 20 lifts. He would do five, uh, um, um, three sets of five or four sets of five in a static pull. He'll start on the floor and pull it up to about four inches off the floor. All right, one week. The next week, four inches off the floor, up to six inches. And a third, six inches up to right at knee level. Um, again, three to second, three to five second holds, and basically, you know, for 20, most of the time, 20 exertions. Um, his spatial exercises after he does speed squat is inverse curl to tremendous leg curls, like a Russian leg curl. Um, he actually can do these by holding on to plates. Uh, he normally works up to about 25 or 30 pounds and does sets, two to, two to four reps. All right. Um, ISO holds in a belt squat. Uh, this is something like Paul Anderson did years ago and with a hip belt where he would pick up 36 or 3,800 pounds every day. But what, we walk in this in this position or we do hip thrusts in this position or while we got a belt with an enormous amount of weight around our waist, we also deadlift with a bar at the same time. You got to realize your legs straighten out at one rate of speed and your back at another. 
So we, we complement this by doing belt squats where the weight is around the waist, uh, controlling the leg drive, and then you have to deadlift the bar, which is going to control back, back drive before your back straightening out. All right? And um, he does a lot of reverse hypers, one for strength and two for restoration. Whenever you do reverse hypers, it always works as traction. Uh, also, so is the bell squat. This is where we get enormous amount of workload. Wesley's reverse hyper um, volume is four times his squat volume. So he's, uh, you know, 60 to 70,000 pounds of, of reverse hypers. This sounds impossible, but it's true. Um, we, we emphasize putting all the weight and the muscles do all the work. And... Um, so that's why it's so important. Also, we do, Wesley does both legs and a lot of times single leg reverse hypers, which actually is very good for the psoas. Many people have tight psoases. Uh, everyone, track and field, weightlifters, powerlifters, everyone. And when that happens, you'll notice a lot of powerlifters, they never have their feet square and when they squat. One foot's always ahead of the other. That is invariably a tight psoas. And so we try to combat that by doing all the psoas work and heavy abdominal work that we can. You know, we do a lot of ball setups with ball underneath our lower back, uh, leg raises, um, standing and, and laying down. Uh, we have a special machine for the hip and abs, and uh, so we do just an enormous amount of abs, especially obliques. Obliques are very, very important for making hips uh, work correctly. Um, Lou, I've got a million questions for you, but one of them is you touch on uh, volume. How important is it to keep record of volume for a lifter? Just say such as Wes, how important was it to monitor his volume for his progress? It's very important. When Wes started out, he had an 800-pound squat, so we did the volume for an 800-pound squatter. So if you look at that, um, the volume would be, um, it would be 480 pounds. Um, 60% of eight is, you know, 480 and at the top. So then it would be 9,600 pounds on 20 lifts. So add five lifts to it. But you see how his volume has grown up into the 20,000 range now. So if you're a 400-pound squatter, you do 4,800 pounds of volume. And if you're an 800-pound squatter, it's twice as much. If you're a 1,200-pound squatter, it's one-third more than an 800-pound squatter. Volume is very, um, it must be kept that way. And many people never heard of a pendulum wave, but it's very popular overseas for sports. You know, if you've got a rugby team or, a, or any type of ball team and you want their legs to maintain a certain amount of strength, this is how you do it. You just run the three weight waves. You know, if you don't use bands, use 75, 80, and 85 percent. All right. Uh, this is based off uh, Olympic weightlifting overseas off 780 highly skilled weightlifters. 50 percent of their training was between these three numbers. That's exactly why I do that. And if you look at the Chinese, their average squat is 80 percent. It just why why did they do it? Uh, the Russians an average squat's 80. You know, 75 to 85 is 80. Why do we do it? Same thing. Why does the Chinese do it? Because it's how you get the greatest squats. What about if you're an 800-pound squatter, but you do the volume of a 900-pound squatter, will that transfer over or will it not? Uh, no, it will not, Tom. If you use too much weight, you know, you could actually do the training weights um, if you wanted to, but they would be too slow. The bar velocity would be too slow and the force production would be lowered, and that's why it doesn't work. You must maintain a bar velocity approximately about 0.9 meters, 8 to 9 meters per second, 0.8 to 0.9. And speaking of um, speed strength, you said Wes, he'll rotate between doing the regular 12 sets of two, 10 sets of two, but he'll throw in five by fives. Yes. Um, how will you pro, or how does he put in five by fives, and what is the purpose of that? Uh, well, Tom, you know, Wes trains, uh, we have two groups in the morning, but there's about four or five guys that be in one group. So instead of doing doubles that just seem to take too long, our form is excellent. We used to do doubles because we had 12 first reps. 
But these guys were concentrated on technique. Got a lot of good coaches in this gym, older Westside lifters coach, and they mastered their technique. So by doing five sets of five, two things happen. The fifth rep is as fast as the second rep, so we haven't lost any force production, and they have not gained any body weight out of this, which is for us, it's a good thing. You know, you go up weight class, you gotta be a lot stronger. That's why we do five sets of five instead of doubles. Did you find that um, have anything on the work capacity? Trying to get yeah. through that? Yes, it raised the work capacity. Tom, you, you watched as I was into my career. Um, you know, I was able to do uh, two sets of five and a set of ten. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you could do ten, ten uh, explosive reps, fives is definitely in the ballpark. For you know, And if you look at it, uh, at 80%, uh, you know, four reps, but that was measured without gear. So it's easy to get five reps when you're wearing briefs. Or even, it doesn't matter. We have two lifters in my gym. They both squat 855 pounds. One did it roll at 265, and the other went from 525 to 8, 855 in a year, and he did it wearing gear. They, when they took the circuit max weight, they did the very same weight. They trained the same weights, and he maxed out at 530 pounds and 375 pound of band. Um, so would you still keep in the, the speed reps, just say the 12 sets of two, and then rotate them five by five, or could you completely swap out one or the other? I personally, nowadays, lifters aren't as slow as we were 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, back in, you know, when I started doing this in 82, powerlifters were very slow. We just grinded everything. It was all max effort work, no speed work. No one ever heard of speed strength. Fred Hatfield talked about compensatory acceleration. And, you know, I started paying attention to what he was saying, you know, back in the late 70s. But uh, no one else did. So powerlifters are known as grinders. And so I realized we had to get faster. And that's why we started doing speed work and only did twos. But nowadays, uh, even my, my, my body even changed I got older. And uh, I had no trouble doing fives just as explosively as I could do um, twos. Okay. Um, and when you're talking on accommodating resistance, um, so the where's those bands and chains? Is there one that is superior than the other, or they both have different but uh, equally as beneficial carryovers? They both have benefits. I think chains make you stronger. There's no eccentric overspeed with chains. Uh, change when they land on the ground they're a little bit awkward as you well know Tom and so sometimes they'll actually twist the bar on you sometimes so it makes you very strong to grind up out of there bands on the other hand have a fat that will shoot you down it has a fat it's like a sling, like a slingshot if you drop a rock on a, on a glass table and you shoot without the slingshot the one the slingshot will hit the table faster so the faster down faster up um, it, it builds uh, as kinetic energy it builds a strong stretch reflex anyone doesn't believe me Take a basketball, drop it, see how high it bounces. Take the same ball at the same height, throw it downward, see how high it bounces. It'll bounce much higher because of the overspeed eccentrics of the ball. Basically, it's going to be the same minus friction or loss of um, uh, friction from the ball bouncing, where you have the deformation when the ball hits the ground and flattens out and then springs back up, much like a track star uh, running. You know, Tommy, if you're a sprinter and you weigh um, 200 pounds and every step you take, you put out 200 pounds. But at max speed, we well know that he put out 1,000 pounds for a top sprinter. How? Overspeed eccentrics of the feet. On from the main movements to the reverse hyper volume. He does an enormous amount of volume, but can you clarify for the listeners, is that on a weekly or daily basis that you calculate total volume for the reverse hyper? Um, total volume on those days is twice a week. We'll get it to max every day. It's 72 hours later. Um, but those two days, that volume is four times that of his squat squat volume on speed day and then he, and then of course he has uh, numerous other exercises that he does for the hamstrings and uh, low back and you know and the torso 
and the hips. And again, the, the key here is reverse hypers and the um, belt squat because they're traction devices. We have two, we have a, um, a fellow that works here at Westside, 300-pound um, guy, got bad back, and he cannot do good mornings. I have another guy that's been here since 1986. Somehow, injured health can't do good mornings. But with, in the belt squat, with the belt around their waist, with weight, they could do good mornings with no pain. We were just discussing this today at lunch. Mm-hmm. And so there you go. That well, how did they do? How's that do it? It traction down your spine. So that's why we can do enormous amount of weight. And Tom, you were working with the guys in the belt squat. I believe you were, mm-hmm. and you broke the pin on the belt squat. Yeah. It has to be over two thousand pounds. We load on. Um, it took one of our lifters had an eight forty deadlift for a year, and in twelve weeks he deadlifted nine hundred when he came here to Westside. Nine in twelve weeks, stuck for a year. Twelve weeks. Uh, Josh Conley, when he came here, had a seven hundred pound deadlift. We started really working the belt squat. In 16 months, he pulled 900 in a meet. Uh, next up was Big Chris uh, Spiegel, who is basically around 6'9 or 10, conventional raw lifter. He had a 780 deadlift. In eight months, he pulled his first nine and then pulled 950 in a meet. So that's why we do it. You can do an enormous amount of work and it's restoration at the same time. For Wes and, and for other lifters too that come in here, how do you assess their weaknesses and how do you fix them? Um, that's a very good question, Tom. <clears throat> you know, for years, I, I remember I did studies of Mel Siff. I did uh, seminars of Mel for super training. And Mel told me that he wanted to test the knee, uh, and they wouldn't let him do it in the squat. They made him do it in the extension. He's really mad about that. And I thought, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's back about 99, 98, or 2000. And so as time went on, I got to thinking. I always thought that was ridiculous. They would, you know, make you do elbow extension or knee extension or back, even maybe a back extension. I think they're afraid to do that and neck extension. But I thought, but then I got to look at our exercise. The reverse hyper is all low back extension. It's single joint. Uh, the inverse curl is all hamstring extension. And um, so we, and how do we, how do we get our benches up? Tricep extension. We work single joint exercises with enormous amount of volume. You know, everyone thinks you got to do the lifts over and over and over and over and over. Um, you know, this is old school. It's basically old weightlifters, you know, they seem to want to do um, just a clean and snatch, clean and snatch. I asked a guy one time, I said, how much, pretty big guy, about 200 pounds. I said, how much did you power clean the first time? He goes, 225. I said, how'd you do it? You never did a power clean. How do you power clean 225? You never did one. Other activities. That's the key, guys. That's what the Russians lived on, and that's what how Westside trains, by constantly um, overemphasis on one muscle group. Years ago, I was fortunate enough to be here, and a guy from Canada brought in the Olympic uh, team doctor for the Bulgarian weightlifting team. So we had a, a nice discussion for a day and a half or so. Um, and I told him that a lot of times, my theory of training, I would train, I'm uh, almost 20 years younger than Chuck Vogelpohl and all these guys. So I would train as hard as I could, overtrain, 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 till I got basically sick and um, fatigued and in a very bad mood. Then I would take about a week off, and I was invariably stronger. And he looked at me and he said, well, the Bulgarians train a single muscle group, like the low back or the glutes or the traps. Three days in a row, they over, over completely kill it. And then they take a small rest and supercompensation uh, appears and they're stronger in that muscle group. And that makes a lot more sense than what I did. So that's exactly how we do it today. Could you, uh, the machines you have, just say the inverse curl, the hyper, could you use them as testers of strength too that's exactly what i do right now i'm working with two girls getting ready to become pro um sprinters 
And so how do I evaluate their hamstring strength on the inverse curl? Uh, the one could use about 70 pounds on the machine. As you take it off, you're stronger. Now she's doing Russian leg curls. She's done, I think, a couple sets of seven reps with body weight, which is sensational. The other girl, um, uh, as a fast girl, runs, I think, 50, uh, um, uh, 200. I mean, I'm sorry, 400. And um, I realized right away she was very thin. We had to put seven or eight pounds on her, which we did. But her hamstring strength, um, she has gone from where she could only do like 75 pounds um, down to where she's using just uh, the apparatus itself. So that's how I evaluate. And if you put someone on the bent pendulum, I mean, if they can do 50 pounds, they got a weak lower back. You know, I used to use, I, I've done 180 strict for, for five reps, for six reps. The way Wes trains, does he train any different than the other world record holders you have here? So just say if you put Wes on one side, then you bring in someone like Dave Hoff. Is their training similar? Like, do they do the same percentages or is it altered? It's the same percentages. Um, as you well know, Tom, we could win money on Wes squatting because he's very, very strong, but very, very slow. And uh, so we constantly work on his speed, and it has actually picked up. You know, he's gotten a lot more explosive finally, but it's been one year. That's another thing bringing up. A lot of people out there would stop a lifter like that, lifting. They say, well, you got, you got nothing left in the tank. Mm -hmm. But you got to realize that there's different types of strength. He's, he's got a real slow strength. Right. He's, got, he's like a Mack truck, that's first right. gear, that's it. Eddie Cohen was the same way. Mm -hmm. Eddie would look, make all his weights look the same. And he just kept going up, and Eddie's one of the strongest humans I've ever seen. So, you know, the rush is called, you know, slow strength, being able to grind. We want to lift the weight as fast as possible. But, you know, you can't change a person physiologically uh, very much, somewhat, but not a lot. But I'd rather have a super strong person, a super fast one for our sport, for, for powerlifting. Um, like weightlifting, you must be very strong, but in fast movements. So that's the difference. Weightlifting is a speed strength sport, and ours is a strength speed sport because our velocity would be very slow. Although you've seen Dave Hoffman people squat 1,210 pounds, it's like they're squatting 500 pounds. Mm -hmm. Just very fast. Well, Chuck Vogelpohl is one of the most explosive ones I've ever seen. Was it uh, Dr. Fred Haffey that said you can't lift the heavyweight slow? That's right. And um, that's what a lot of people, what happens on the outside doesn't necessarily mean what's happening on the inside. Correct. Is, uh, that's so. a force velocity curve. Mm -hmm. And as, uh, as weights grow heavier and, velo and, and, and um, velocity slows on heavy objects, that's when maximum force occurs. Uh, if you look at an isokinetic machine years ago, it's a perfect indicator of that. And uh, it would have uh, variable speeds, but one constant speed. When it was in fast speed, um, it would have small force and slow speed had great force. Did you feel when Wes underwent static work that it actually helped his form and helped him get in set positions? Absolutely, Tom. I mean, Wes is not built to deadlift, and you know he's short. He's short. He's got a long torso, and he uh, he's got everything that you don't want to deadlift. And so he had a hard time getting in proper position. So we put him in the, in the static poles from the ground up to the one and two pins, and when he did. We would then we would force his shoulders backwards and his and his um, his hip or pelvic toward the bar, and you know if you watch Russian weightlifters, they got tremendous form. They look like they're in a starting position, then they get their hips even farther forward, and up the weight goes. And we concentrated on in three weeks. Wes did this, and he pulled two records in the gym in the band deadlifts, which is we live on the band deadlift pulls. Um. And his squat form. Um, you know, Wes could normally not roll squat very much. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other day, maybe 500 pounds, you know, maybe. And then the other day, he box squatted uh, 605 without gear. He's pretty easy, which is an alarming increase. 
how important are his training partners for his growth? Training partners are everything. He's got great training partners, and um, that's one of the reasons he's he's very good because um, he's got great training partners. He utilizes them. You know, he's got uh, Aunt, you know Jason Coker, who's a very experienced lifter, two world records under his belt in the bench press. And then new new guy from Connecticut, Anthony and Josh from West Virginia moved here. Joe from Pittsburgh moved here. Uh, Al from Mansfield and Dimitri, a, a Russian that um, has you know relocated here in Columbus and trains with us for quite a few years now. Those are great um, training partners he has, and also he's also coached by um, you know twenty eight hundred pound total Jake Anderson, Chuck Vogelpohl, many world records in the squat, in the two twenty, two forty two, and two seventy five. Um, Joe Bayless, a tremendously strong lifter years ago, and Luke Edwards, um, who's a you know eight forty deadlifter at two seventy five. So he's got great training partners and great coaches. Um, that's one advantage. When years ago we'd only bring in one person, so we'd have three or four world record holders in the squat and the bench and so forth. So they that's how Dave Hoff got a great start. We surrounded Dave with great lifters when he's fifteen years old, and the system that we have, which I think is the best in the world. And so Dave grew up like Floyd Mayweather in in his dad's gym. Every step he went was perfect. That's how Dave, uh, you know, went from 1,700 at 17 years old to 3,000 pounds at 25 years old. 3,005, biggest total ever. And uh, so we pay a lot of attention, a lot of coaching, so nothing gets, we have to correct things. You, if you got poor technique, you're not going to go in there anywhere. You have to learn technique first, then strength. But strength's more important than speed, too. So you don't want to worry about getting fast if you're weak because it ain't going to do you any good. You can't lift any weights. Uh, for max effort work, it's, it seems to – oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was uh, going to move into the second day. Okay, yep. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. do that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, you know, remember I said on Friday we squat, yeah. speed squats. On Saturday we speed bench. Um, we used to do it on Sunday, but we moved to Saturday, and it seems like the guys are in a lot better shape nowadays. Um, so um, – we speed bench on that day. You know, Westside's pretty much famous. And Bill, Bill Kazmar did this. Um, we, you know, nine sets of three reps for about 50% um, as for fast rate of force development. Fast down, fast up. Ballistic benching. George Howard and myself, we drop the bar, never touch our chest and reverse it. This is only on speed work, though. We'd use three grips uh, in one workout. Um, the, the, the index finger touches the smooth, and then you move out two inches. And for the third grip, your uh, little finger is on the ring. Um, these three grips are fairly close, and it emphasizes a lot of tricep work, and the triceps are the main movers in uh, bench pressing. All right? So um, uh, remember, a fast eccentric phase, uh, you want that for a strong stretch reflex, and, uh, and it causes a stronger um, concentric phase. Um, no need to pause. People ask me this all the time. It's only a rule. Um, a stretch reflex lasts for two seconds in anyone, and for untrained, uh, up to four seconds. This is, this is tested and proved. Uh, in a study, uh, according to Wilson, um, uh, you know, sports scientist in Australia, I found that we can stay down for eight seconds and get up just as fast. Um, we use bands and chains just like we do in the squat for accommodating resistance. Um, that way you got maximum tension at the full range of motion. Well, one can use minis uh, for a three-week wave. Um, and then um, three, one, um, you know, you do that, then uh, one set of chain for three weeks, two set of chain for the next three three set of chain, or just do one set of chain the first week, two sets the third, second, three sets the third. There's another three-week wave. Uh, then you can go or from minis to monsters, and on the third week, monsters in a set of chain. Just constantly change. Never let your body 
get used to what you're doing. That's the law of accommodation. You never want this to occur. Um, you know, you know, some days you're not so strong and the weights feel heavy. You still got to make them. So you always want to change something. Never let your body get used to the stimulus. You want new stimulus. Um, so, uh, again, you know, like I said, sometimes two sets change, sometimes three. Many bands, the way we set them up, goes around by four by four, about an inch off the ground, doubled. It's 85 pounds at the top. Uh, monsters are 125. And the real strong guys uh, sometimes don't use lights. It's 200 pounds at the top. All right. If you set change correctly, they're not supposed to be so high. About a third of them on the ground, so it's about 30 pounds a set. So, you know, one set, um, the two sets is going to be about 60, and three sets about 90, although it, they're 40 pounds a set. But all the chain uh, doesn't unload on the ground, nor does it come off the ground. So, so um, and then, um, so is it any time you have any questions about this, this is a tried and proved method Westside's used for years. And, and we have a second method once if you have any questions on the first. Um, just uh, uh, when we're talking about the, the bench, um, the accessory work, when you choose that, what is the intensity that you perform, just say dumbbells and that, after the accessory work on the speed bench? Again, it's 80% of our training. You have to push all the assistant work. You know, everyone says, I, I, you know, I would never charge a guy two cents for a program. Uh, I, I refuse to cha charge anyone for this. It's bogus. I don't know if three sets of, of 10 is good for you or you could do 10 sets of 10. So you got to do this all by instinct. Uh, but we do as much as we can on every workout, whatever that is. We just do it by that, how we feel on that day. Now, you people say that's ridiculous. Well, if it is, think about how the Bulgarian weightlifting team did it. Their max is based on a daily max. They did not go off an all-time record. Although they constantly broke them, they might not be able to do an all-time record on that day. And and so they would work out as heavy as they could all the time, exactly like was that. We have um, we get constant emails in the bench press of people um, they keep missing. Okay, can uh, can I just give you three scenarios and then just off the top of your head what you think is wrong? Okay, first of all, we have also had six different men break all-time world records in the bench, so I think mm -hmm. we know the bench pretty well. So the first question is, um, bench press always fails, gets stuck in the chest. What, what do you think is causing that? Um, uh, weak upper back, lats, no lats. You know, just, you'll all be able to flex your back, you get a bar off your chest. Of course, then the triceps are activated at that point. Then the next one is, it gets stuck halfway up. Um, it's either tr where the triceps transition into the bench, or, uh, you know, on max average, you just can't move the weight fast enough. There's no such thing as a true sticking point. Mm -hmm. If it was, a guy could bench three, but he gets stuck at 320, he'd also get stuck at 220. It'd be, in a, it'd be like an imaginary... Uh, point of gravity stopping you but it's not the bar slows down to a point that's where you miss no weights don't get too heavy they get too slow so thanks speed speed can break sticking points and the last one Tommy how yep. many people do you say uh, there's no need to do speed you know uh, speed bench in our sport George Howard broke at least a dozen world records he told me speed bench is the most important I've had many many people tell me this if you ask a big deadlifter how what's the most important thing about deadlift he said do it as fast as you can <laughs> I've never heard a guy say, do it as slow as you can. No. Do it as fast as you can. Speed. And the last one goes against the strength curve, but people miss a lockout. Yes. Well, you know, uh, because that's where all the muscles are diminished, and the only thing working at the very end is your triceps. Um, George, again, George Hobart experimented with boards. They found out that they could do more on three boards than they could four, and sometimes more on four than they could five. Why? Because of isolation. You know, we talk about the force uh, velocity curve. It's in strength and um, 
practice and science and, and strength and it shows it like in the in the clean pole at the very top where you get to the hips the force is going backwards now think about that it's just, that's why we use bands you have to tr push all away but for the cleans that's why it's very important to use bands because where the barbell stops making uh, motion and your forces diminish you have bands you got to keep pulling on and that's why you can apply great force at the top there you can't you know, if it, it, it weights can be too heavy in the bottom and too light at the top, or vice versa. So that's why you got to use combinations of weight and bands. One big mistake, though, Tom, on Max Ever, too many people use bands. They do reverse bands, and I brought all this up. It's come from Westside, but too many. That's why you don't see any heavy, big raw benches anymore. Um, Twenty years ago, I had six guys. My gym could raw bench six hundred any day of the week. Now I got one. And he's freaking 420 pounds because uh, uh, no, they have no centric strength. They can't lower heavy weights because when things get heavy, they put a bench shirt on. The only time they handle heavy weight in their hands is when they put a bench shirt on. They need to do heavy lockouts uh, on seated press, incline press, even decline press, and flat bench. Try some heavy lockouts, and I think your bench will take off. One thing that, um, not that I've noticed, but here is that. Sometimes it can be a double-edged sword that we've got so many exercises to choose from. When uh, you're a lifter, when you rotate between just a max effort exercise at the start, at the start you're going to have very well a, a great selection of exercises to stick to, but how many should you rotate between and keep moving forward? I like to maybe use four or five. You know, Use the ones that don't work very well away from the meat, just to, you know, just to break up the monotony of training. But when it gets close to meat, use the, you know, the three or four that really work best for you. And, um, you know, uh, like if a floor, floor press is a, is a standard of how strong you really are. If you do it correctly, rely arms on the floor and then you bench. And I tell people to break a record by five pounds. And he goes, what is five pounds? Five pounds a month is 60 pounds a year. And I'll get into the benching, but Wesley went from 515 floor press to 370 in one year. And it, it took his bench from 515 in a contest to 590. All right. So that's exactly how important it is. Moving to the benching. Yeah. All right. Now we've already talked about the speed work. How we normally West Side is laid claim to the eight triple, you know, eight or nine triples, and uh, Bill Casmar did the same. Change his grip. He said that way, to, with, with by creating no groove, you create a groove, and he's right. All right. Now there's a second method, and um, uh, I got this. I mean, I had a three. I had a 340 pound bench, weighed 172, and I was lifting in Indiana, and Bill Cena was there. This guy was a monster. Scared the crap out of me. But I walked up to him and I said, Bill, um, can you help me with my bench? Because um, Bill was an American record holder on a bench, and he had won best chess in like six Mr. Americas when they had these subdivisions. So he grabbed onto my arms and my chest, and I mean, I thought he was going to kill me. Um, he tells me, he says, all right, so the way you're built, you got a bench uh, ultra-wide. He says, illegal, go an inch outside the ring. And uh, he says, um, and this is what he tells me. And, 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 you know, he knew what he's doing because he trained with Mike Carchute, a great Olympic weightlifter. And he also trained with Ernie France. It basically, Ernie's the godfather of all powerlifting, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, out in uh, Chicago. So what he would do, he told me to do this, and it took my bench raw at 181 from 340 to 450. And then I did a 500 raw bench at 197. All right? And this is how I done it. He said, first of all, you take a weight, you can start out for, you do six sets of six, fairly easy. Add weight each week for the six sets of six until it gets tough. Now, this is 36 reps. 
all right? Where we're doing 27, 20, you know, 8 triples, 24, 9 triples, 27. Now we're doing 36. We've raised our workload, um, all right? And you can use bands and chains if you want, and I recommend you do, all right? And then after a few weeks, when it starts to get hard, you just, you just drop back in weight and start over with 8s. Now, 8 sets of 8. Now we're talking 64 reps. Um, I'll give you a couple more examples when I'm done with this. But now, you, this is this is basically a hyperpathy workout. You know, you got to have muscles to lift, like it or not. Years ago, if you look at the guys, they had muscles all over them. I didn't, Chris Compassori, I didn't know men had muscles like that. Uh, Jesse Kellum, there's a lot of monsters out there. Um, I, I've seen I've seen them all, and I was just incredibly built. Well, when the eights get hard after a few weeks, maybe three, four weeks, drop the weight back down, and you do tens. Now we're talking 100 reps, 10 sets of 10. You work up to that for a few weeks. That's a lot of hyperpathy work. And when that's over, you drop back to sixes and start the whole thing back over. Wherever you ended with the sixes, I'll guarantee you uh, in a few weeks you'll surpass that. Then you drop back to eights, you surpass your best eights, and you go back to tens, you surpass your best tens. Um, I did this for years, and I mean, it just took my, it skyrocketed my bench. And um, also with the help of Larry Pacifico, Larry told me, I got to train my triceps. Every time I train, my bench go backwards. But actually, about this time when Bill had me do this, um, I was going to a meeting that got canceled, so I, I'd keep, so I kept on doing the triceps too. And I, my bench jumped from 340 to 360. I mean, I was getting a five-pound jump. And I couldn't believe I jumped 20 pounds into 380 in a meet and, all, and so forth. So it really worked for me, but it's very, very high volume. But when you're ultra-wide, you got to do a lot of extensions. And if you come back in close, then you can cut out some of the extensions. Um, you know, I've got a girl in my gym. In March, she benched 190 in the contest. Uh, last week, she benched 310. All right. Uh, like I said, Wesley in one year went from 515, which ain't bad for 165, to 590. And he's got a lot more in him. I've seen this work over and over and over. Uh, so all of you people out there need a lot of muscle mass. That's how you get it. It's going to build up your arms, your delts, your chest, your upper back. Upper back is so important. Um, this, this is just exactly what you need if you got to get a lot more muscle. I don't know anyone that doesn't like more muscle, you know, and that's what actually lifts weights. So think about it. So it's a great workout. So after the bench, of course, you go to triceps. And, and don't, Tom, as you well know, all these, I mean, I don't know where people get this idea. Every exercise you should do as much as you possibly can. No one's going to tell me, you know, you only do this lightweight and this and that lightweight in there. Every treat, I, I, our theory is all the small spatial exercises are the most important. We trade them like a lift. If you can do rollbacks with 75 pound dumbbells for eight sets of eight, you got to go to 80s. If you can do 85s, you got to go to 90s. If you can do straight bar extension with 185 for, you know, five or six sets of six, you got to go 190, 195, 200. I mean, it's insane. Big men lift big weights. And big ain't strong, strong is strong. So even if you're not a big guy, you can surpass the larger men if you become stronger. That's just that's just the way it goes. Um, and a lot of times, I like, you know, barbell extensions, I like three to five, you know, five to six reps in a barbell. I, I like straight bar. My most easy curl bar was invented to take pressure off the elbows. But you got to have the pressure on the elbows because that's where the extension power of the arms are. So I like straight bar, but you can use easy curl. Uh, you can do with the dumbbells, do rollbacks, elbows out, somewhere between 60 and 100 total reps normally as a guideline. And uh, But it can't be easy. It's got to be hard. And your, your arm strength, your extensions have to go up. So constantly work like that. And, um, uh, and again, upper back. You train upper back no less than four times a week. Uh, you push the rear and the side delts heavy. Uh, do some front delts. But be, just be careful. 
because it's easy to overtrain the front delts. Everything you do, they're activated. So just be careful that you don't overtrain the front delts. Um, that pretty much takes care of the benching on the two days. You have any questions on there, Tom, for my readers? Um, the one lift that I think you need to just to explain more and go over is the JM press. I think that's a huge lift and that people get wrong and they don't know what it is or where it came from. I can explain it. You know, uh, if you bench press close, you take it lower down to your chest, probably a little bit below your nipples. If you watch that, your elbow, your shoulders are doing all the rotation. Even though it's a close grip, your triceps are over a little bit, your, your delts are doing a lot. Years ago, a lot of guys benched big, close grip. And so, depending on who they were. Um, but a JM press, you hold it straight up over your clavicle. You lower it straight down. So as the bar comes down and your elbows are turned out somewhat, um, if you've got big arms, your forearm is going to smash up into your bicep. At that point, roll back towards your face as an inch or so, and then load up the elbows, and then you have, and we call it fist first. Fist straight up first. You, you cannot drop your shoulders on the way down because it turns into delt exercise. Now, Tommy, you can tell the readers um, where to get on the internet and look at JM, JM Blakely, where I got this from, mm -hmm. and um, he, he shows it perfectly on the internet. And he's jacked to the max, so it's easy to see. We actually have it on, on our website now. You oh, can, good. You can go into um, where we have our articles and blog section. There's a, a section there on exercises, and you'll see that video of JM. How important over. is a JM? A lot of people ask me, too. This is how important mm -hmm. it is. I went in the gym one night with JM, and, uh, um, uh, and he was uh, doing JM presses, and I, I hand him out 545, and he does three reps. And so he had a 675 bench, and same kind of shirt I had. He only got 100 pounds out of his shirt. Uh, you know, if he's lucky then. And so I had a uh, 565 bench, and I had 365 for three. Well, I did the math, and JM was 10% stronger than I was, and his JM press was 10% stronger than mine, according to how much we benched. So I pushed the JM press. I was 50 years old, and no one had ever benched 550 at 50. I pushed it up to 405 for a triple, and I benched 600 pounds when I was 50 years old. I mean, it helped me when I was 54. I was sixth in the bench in the country. I, I may be one of the oldest ever. And, how, and I did it because I got smarter, not stronger. I was getting beat up. But one year later, I got, a, I got a, a, a partial shoulder replacement. So I did it by training my arms extremely heavy. And steep inclines with a very close grip, that also built my triceps up. And um, that's how, that's two major exercises. But I could, thank, I could thank a million lifters in my gym. I've always told them to do something. And when they did it, I asked what, the, what they thought of it, and they gave me feedback. That's how Westside has evolved over the years. I've got great lifters. I haven't done experiments. They're welcome to do anything. Then I ask what happened, why they did it, and what was the results, and that's how I had positive feedback or negative feedback. Mm -hmm. If it was negative, we didn't do it. So, uh, but you know, we've always done it like that, and that's how we learn. I'm not totally responsible for Westside. There's 100 lifters total uh, are responsible for the progress of Westside Barbell. When someone argues to me, they're arguing for 100 of my guys, not to mention the methodologies come to the Soviet Union and Bulgaria, Russian, uh, Russian and Bulgarian training. It all, and if you look at the Chinese today, it mirrors our training, except they're doing Olympic weightlifting movements. What do you say to the people, and I know you get it here, um, when they say it hurts, it hurts their joints, or it hurts their elbows? I, uh, I had a lifter here, um, A.J. Roberts, and they had a 710 bench. In about a year, he made it up to 722. And, I could, and he would never do extensions. I say, Jamie, you got to do extensions. I mean, uh, AJ. And he said, but he hurt my elbows. And I said, they hurt because they're weak. So I got him to do like 40, 50 reps of 20s and 30s. And then he got used to it and he started working up in his uh, heavy extensions with barbells and dumbbells. Very, very heavy. 
And up, you know, 100 pound dumbbell extension was nothing for him to do. It's a joke. And for lots and lots of sets. Then his bench went from um, 722 to 910 in about a year and, and three months in a contest. That's the difference. Yep. Um, you have to get used to this. You know, everybody, my back hurts. Why? Because your back's weak, dude. You know, a training, it, it doesn't hurt. I got, you know, my knee, I'm old, I'm all beat up. And you watch, Tom. When The more I do for my knees, the, I mean, the, the more deadlift or squat, the better my knees feel. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I can't do them for some reason, I get my knees get stiff as a board. So you got to train them. If you don't, like who said, if you don't use it, you lose it. And it's never mm-hmm. been true. If you slow down, you go down. That's right. Um, do you do much work for joint integrity or joint work ligament tendon training? Yes, we live on that. Uh, as you well know, I mean, you know, our ART expert, John Quint, uh, has talked about this, how we don't have soft tissue injuries. Um, 200 leg curls, for instance, for the hamstrings in the knee area. And the same thing in extensions. Like, personally, I've, I've made 200 reps in a dumbbell press with 25-pound dumbbells. And, I, I mean, I'm old, but I don't have any tissue injuries. You know, I'm 69 years old, and I don't, I don't suffer from that. just suffer from the big weights over these years. But I don't have any soft tissue injuries. Do you do any isometrics for the upper body like you do for the lower? Uh, yes. We, you should do isometric pin presses. Just like it helps Wes in the deadlift and the squat, it'll also help you in the bench. Not many people use them anymore. You need to use it. You know, if you want to say, how much can I apply? Like if you're a 400-pound bencher, load the bar to 320, Press it off a pen, hold it against the pen. You at least know you're applying 80% tension. So that's one way you could do it if you want. You could just use a, an empty bar and guess, um, you know, like the, that's one thing. See, if you don't press up against the pen for the second bar, you know what you got on. And, uh, you know, we have a nice kinetic, um, a static dynamic developer with a force uh, dial on it that will tell you exactly what you're producing. So that's a, that's a good thing. They'll be coming out in January. But all you have to do is press one pen to the second pen with a prescribed amount of weight that you put on the bar. That is, Bob Hoffman came up with this, it's called the Hoffman Method. And the old, the old Soviet Union used it as well. A big thing that I've noticed in the gym, uh, especially over the last few years, if not this year, is that uh, there's no days off. People, people don't deload, they don't take a day off, they always are doing something. How important is that? It's very important, Tom. Uh, I'll let you mention something about this, but uh, because it's a part of life, what you did, but it happens. Uh, no, you cannot take time off. Years ago, I had a bunch of big, heavy guys in the gym. They were lazy, and they called it blood work. It's called restoration, not blood work. And, oh, it's just a lazy guy not to be able to train. Tom, you've seen lifters in here take a heavy workout, then they got they can't even train the next day. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Which is bull. It's crazy. Uh, my guys have come off from me. Well, you come back in the next day, and they train. Mm-hmm. Way back in 96... Um, 95-96 at the World Championships, we had four firsts and two seconds out of West Side. And it was actually in Columbus, Ohio. And some uh, guys from Germany came in the gym the next Monday morning. And, you know, Chuck Bogopold won that meet. And they come in and they looked in the gym and they said, yeah, I said, well, come on in. You watch his training. They came in. He goes, well, who's that back there doing good mornings? I go, that's Chuck Bogopold. And they said, well, didn't he lift us? I said, yeah. <laughs> We're right in the gym the next day. There's no need to take off. I like to train. I want to train. I don't want to sit on my ass. Because I don't do no good. Like I said, if I'm sitting on my butt, someone else is training, they're getting better than me. So it's all about your level of physical preparedness. We have a high level of physical preparedness. And we maintain it. That way, um, you know, I wanted to bring up uh, you and Travis. Uh, you know, Travis Clark is a boxer and, and MMA and everything. But he trained and you guys are walking a half a mile of all kinds of crazy. Wheelbarrows carrying stuff, right? No problem. Travis has his fight. Of course, he backs off the last week, has a fight. He get cut up a little bit from some headbutts, gets the stitches. He 
go on two, three weeks, come back. You and Travis almost kill yourself doing the very same thing. Um, and then after a week or two, you got back used to it and it's good again. Mm-hmm. So that's why you can't take time off. If you don't do it, your work capacity falls off. Um, that's my big pet peeve in track. Yeah. Um, people want to uh, have block periodization. They run, then they don't want to do anything. Then you want them to lift and no running, and then then have them run. It's insane. All things should be done different. If you don't believe me, uh, buy a copy of a Super Training and look up the definition of conjugate. It trains all aspects of training, all spatial strength, all activities simultaneously. That's how we train. Well, for uh, from a coaching perspective, every coach said, "I want feedback. I want data. I want numbers." Well, the beauty about this system is every week. We know how strong you are, how fast you are, and but that's one aspect. But if, if muscle but, where you were, but if they're not doing their sport, we don't know what we're doing in the gym is carrying over. That's right. And that's a big thing I learned working with the fighters is that we do incredibly hard stuff here, but it didn't carry over. Well, then I know it's useless. But from we, we got our testers, they, they spar, then I know how everything's come together. They do their mitt work, they do their, their transition work in jujitsu. Um, everything there, I know what's carrying over. And then I talk to the other coaches, and they tell me, well, this is working, he lacks it here, here, and then we'll see if it, but every week I know what everyone's at or where everyone's at. And I think that's where big people uh, mess up on nowadays. They don't do that. You know, I just did a book review. It'll be out in a few weeks about a three-minute sprint coach. Um, you know, um, uh, Hein Krakenoff? Yes. And he states in there, he says, if, if, uh, if maximal strength was the key to sprinting, a powerlifter or a weightlifter would be the sprint record holders, and they're not. But if explosive strength was the key to sprinting, triple jumper, high jumper, or long jumper would be the record holders in the sprinting, and they're not. It's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. You have to do them both. And I, mean, I, I, I think this is one of the smartest track coaches I've ever read. And uh, I mean, maybe because what he does is what we do, but it makes perfect sense to me. Everything's done, and he has lots of logs in this book. You read it. But I mean, I know we're getting off the subject of Wes here, but he does everything at once. You can't let something slide. Well, if you just bring it back to him, you know how strong Wes is every week. Right. You know how fast he is every week. You know if he's got a form breakdown, anything. And then within the training sessions, you know how to fix it. And it goes back to the one thing that you've always put into our heads. The answer is always within the gym. And to perfect form many, many times is to, is to strengthen a muscle group. If a guy's got bad squat form, uh, Anthony came here. He had a 750 um, brief record squat with knee wraps. After a three-week wave, when he first came here, I changed his foot position. Um, we, we realized he's got no glutes. We built up his glutes in his upper back. And in, in three-week wave, and then on the fourth week, in Brees, he squatted 825 pounds easy without knee wraps. There you go. We, if I would have left and kept squatting, it wouldn't have made any difference. He would never. He would still be squatting the seven fifty. You got to train the weak muscle groups. That perfects technique. Mm-hmm. That's a big part. People don't understand the conjugate system at all, uh, for any sport. I, mean, I don't care if it's weightlifting, powerlifting, or track and field. And it, and it was developed by the Soviet Union, the Dynamo Club, back in nineteen seventy two. And the Dynamo Club, for your information, had forty six sports, not just weightlifting. Well, when I first came here, I remember you told me that. You're going to see people max out, but then after that, they're going to go to all different areas of the gym. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like a, a organized chaos here. you got no idea what's going on for a while, but then you get it. And I think that's what people miss out on. People want a, a quick fix. They want to uh, do this, this, and this. And when you can't, like you're lying to a person if you give a one a cookie cooker or cookie cutter program to everybody. This system teaches you how to train yourself. 
And you gotta listen to your body and get your own feedback, and then you develop. Well, you know, I've mentioned a bonded shop, a shot put expert, mm-hmm. and he says he has books. What's the name of them? Transfer exercise. What exercises transfer into this, the throwing events? Here, my friend Sakari from Finland got a tremendously strong gym. Uh, there's 181, just total 2420, which is insane. 990 squat, and um, and Sakari says it does no good to be strong in the wrong exercise mm-hmm. so you got to evaluate yourself don't do what you like to do do what you need to do mm-hmm. that's hard for a lot of people to do uh, in here we've pretty much forced them well you got no choice <laughs> you got no choice you do it or you're gone yeah well yeah you got to push yourself uh, and uh, yeah. another thing too you teach is take jumps that makes you question like yes. uh, i gotta go like don't take the safe option all the time you got to take be strategic and he said like the, you come up the two and a half either side the five pounds that's the plan but break that record man. yeah but you got to make jumps that's going to make yourself, can you get this? Am I going to get this? I am going to get it. And then test your CNS. Because if you don't develop that, you're doing nothing. Um, just the other day, I had a girl work up in a deadlift, you know. She did 315. And her best deadlift was 385. She did 315 and 365. And then she, she blasted 395. You know, big jumps. 50-pound jump. And mm-hmm. then um, a 30-pound jump for PR. We shut it down. All we want is a PR. You know, you can do all of this you want in the gym, but without PR, what good does it do you? Yeah. Um, that's why people talk about volume. It doesn't do any good to have high volume if you're not breaking any records. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into this in my next podcast about Olympic weightlifting and how I think the most neglected thing in that sport is the max effort effort. And here, we're going to show you how to break all these records all the time. And, like, we have a stat. Um, you know, Joe is mm-hmm. our stat person. And uh, an even track and field, it was the same. It's an 80% spatial exercise to 20% barbell. But it was for track and field, weight, powerlifters, or anybody, and it worked. So that's how we emphasize all the joint, this one joint that we need worked on. And a big thing here, the way training is, once you have the mental attitude to be in here and train, the physical training carries over to the mental training. And I know that because I run my mouth a lot, and I did it to Ramos, Tony Ramos. And we went from, we're having dinner, to where I had to throw down money, we walked straight out of the restaurant, mid-food, uh, he came in here without warming up nothing, went and um, broke his two fingers. I, I, I don't know what I, I told him he couldn't do with two <laughs> fingers. He went, did it, told me to get fucked, and walked out the door. But that's what this training does. That's right. And that goes, that's another topic, warm-up. But once you can believe it, you can achieve it. And that's well, a big thing here. If you're used to breaking records, you got to break records. If you used to never break a record, you won't break any records. Mm-hmm. Same thing, Tommy, at breakfast years ago. We'd have to leave breakfast, almost getting a fist fight. Yeah. Off we go. And it would, it was in, and there's money, lots of money, laying two, three hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, it wasn't about the money. I want, I didn't want to lose. And if me and one of the guys was on a team, I didn't want to lose for him. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very competitive, and we broke a lot of records. No one in meets would ever melt. We had no one meets meltdown in meets, never. Oh, that's what uh, Marcus said. Marcus said that the meets were nothing. It was missing a lift in the gym yeah. that you would go home and you'd stare at a wall and you have to go back in because. Just the abuse that you get for missing something. Years ago, when Marcus trained with me, you know, he owns a strong style, MMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus is trained, and if, if I had a bad squat workout on Friday, I by myself the next day I did the same squat workout, the same one. I don't care if it was, you know, <coughs> eight eight fifty box squat, and we walked him. I walked him out in the power rack. Had to do it. There's no way. I'm not gonna let no weight kick my ass. So it's a lot of mental, like you said. Mm-hmm. But you get used to winning, and that's what training partners do for you. You know, um, Shane Hammond said one day, as I think I got it figured out. I go, well, tell me, what is it? And he said, I either bring in a new person for stimulus, a new exercise, 
or a new method. And that's exactly what I do. You've got to have stimulus. If you don't have stimulus, you can't keep your freaking girlfriend. But I won't make progress in the gym. Well, a big thing, too, back to knowing how strong you are and how fast you are every week, uh, indirectly, you're increasing confidence because you know how strong you are and you know how fast you are. But if you're a coach and you're not using this to your advantage, you're not... Like, these guys are, are lifters so the, from the powerlifter side. So it, it correlates better because they're lifting weights. But if you're not a powerlifter, you've got to correlate the gym with your sport. And if you're missing one side or the other, you're not going to know. Try right. Years ago, Alexis would train against Serge Redding, lift against him. He's from... <laughs> Belgium and I mean Serge was a five foot seven or eight three hundred fifty pound monster, and he was stronger than uh, Alexis. And when he go to contests, he break world records. But when he competed together, Alexis would beat him every time. And he uh, he would always Alexis said he always worries about me, but I never worry about him. And that's why he beat him every time. So you just go, you don't worry about anybody. I tell my people, and you know, uh, folks, this is a multi-year training system. I mean, I managed to make top ten somehow or other. For 34 years it's a multi-year training system everybody wants everything now how tom how many ungodly lifters have you seen come here and leave before 30. too many yeah and, and where are they going they were still they had all kind of progress to make but they quit and so you know i like to grind like you know the rest is called the grind i don't mind getting my ass kicked i got my ass kicked all my life and you want to go in and make you want to make goals break a goal go to meet break a goal have something in you know the hardest thing and, you know, we talked about a lifter. I'm not going to bring him up. But he excelled in the deadlift. And I said, slow the deadlift down because you're going to burn your brain out. And he won the deadlift 900. So what did he do? He concentrated on the deadlift. And his other lift slowed down. He pulled nine. And then the other lift went totally out the window. And he quit. So you want to always slow your lifts down. Had he taken the squat up another 50 and the bench another 50 and then deadlifted nine, I believe he would still be in his gym making progress. But if you blow your... your um, you know, you blow your psyche up on one lift, you're going to fail. Or if you go to meet and come out of a meet with nothing left in you, then you go home, you're panic-stricken, and you almost always invariably overtrain. Or you get, you're just psyched out. So go, I, my latter stage, I came back at 48, I did 16 squats, never missed one. And my last squat, I did 920, like an empty bar. I always thought I had 40 more in me. So uh, I, when I did 86, I said I could do 9. I did 90, I said I could do 940. I did 920. I know I could do 960. Some people say I could do 980. Mm -hmm. This 1,000 was a big squat. But I always, when, if I did the same training, I could make progress in my next meet. So that's what you want to do. Keep the ball. I mean, you want to do this for fun or you really love it, you'd want to do it for a few years. Well, one thing I've noticed with powerlifting especially, <clears throat> I don't think I've seen it in any other sport, is that there's a lot of lifters who get their strongest later on. So in, in their late 30s and 40s, once they can keep sure. healthy and 50s, and you got people who treat this as a sprint in their 20s that want to lift the most amount of weight and that's it. They don't think the longevity that you can have in this. And it takes, a, I hate to say it, but it takes a long time to develop true max or absolute strength. It's a, it's a marathon, not a race. Well, I remember Vargas, a boxer, great boxer, young kid, but they pushed him in real hard. He became world champion and then he was pitted against Ike Orte and some of the, and, and, uh, some of the greatest boxers ever. And uh, he was gone. You know, they say when you can't see a right hand come, you got to get out of boxing. He couldn't see it coming at 22 years old. He was he called himself an act test, act, act test warrior. Oh, the Aztec warrior. Act, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I mean, he was. Yeah. But it, he just killed himself, and he was going too quick. If they had worked him up slow, you know, made a lot more money. I, I, I like a, a good fight, but if he might have made it another four or five years if they hadn't pushed him too fast. And that's what guys do. They push yourself too fast. Only You can only do what you believe you can do. Mm -hmm. 
you know. And I won't get into this psych, but I read I read books. I get psyched up. Some movies psych me up. I I, I look at people. I get psyched up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I use everything is to psych me up. Nothing psychs me out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not afraid of of, of of missing or losing or anything. I don't give a name. Because I, I've done all that and I'm still here, so always everything I do is positive, no negative. Um, are we ready to move on? Yep. <clears throat> all right. Now Monday uh, is our max effort day, and uh, I'll tell you, Wes comes in on this day. It's a squatter deadlift uh, max effort, and when I mean max effort, guys, I'm not. I mean it's you know max effort is singular. You do one rep in contest. You do one lift. So you got three squats, three benches, three deads. It, you're not doing doubles or triples. You have to do one. And um, so what we do, and, and the whole key is here, why would you do, if you're dead for 700 and you tripled 675, um, would you not rather do one single with 705? And then a month later make 710? And then a month later make 715? That's what counts, making records. So we come in, we work up to all-time record on, um, you know, rack poles, box poles, both styles. So in the rack, it's always good. We also use sumo style and ultra-wide sumo on the platform and conventional. Uh, we never do a regular deadlift. I got one guy does it, and his deadlift goes nowhere. Everyone else deadlifts go up. Now, um, I've talked about this before. West deadlift 620. He's gone up 60 pounds in a year in the deadlift. 560 is 620. We hope we'll break out here in a month. Um, but basically, he never does a regular deadlift. It's band deadlifts, it's rack deadlifts on three different pins or with um, uh, 250 or 350 pound of band tension. We constantly do all type of exercise like his. And so, um, um, you know, and um, or we stand on boxes, two or four inch boxes, or we um, with 220 or 280 pound of band. That's what the two recommended bands are for here. Most of the 800 deadlifts will always use a 280 band. Those are monsters. The 220 or minis. Uh, box squat, West boxes, box squats on low boxes, 8, 10, or 12 inch for records. You know, with gear, without gear. You know, with no gear, with briefs, with briefs in a suit. We, we, we do all, everything possible. Close stance, ultra wide stance, um, lots of different bars. The, the regular safety squat bar, uh, 14 inch camber, front squat, zercher squat, bow bar. Uh, we seldom ever use a regular squat bar like the Bulldog squat bar on that day. We like to leave that one away. Um, we've got tremendous success doing zercher squats with our harness. Ultra wide stance out of racks or off the floor. This builds tremendous hip power. Um, so we do that. And also we do a lot of concentric squatting and deadlifting where we'll set the bar in chains, crawl underneath it, and stand up. Um, I like. Uh, we also do a lot of good mornings. And in all styles, straight-legged, bent-legged, arched back, bent back, uh, you name it, close stance, wide stance, one leg in front even um, in the split style. So we do a lot of stuff like that. And uh, for the, everything we do, like it says, one rep max, but in a good morning, a little bit dangerous. So we, we try to do um, three to five rep maxes in the good mornings. And uh, although the concentric squat in good morning, it's, it is a single where we just raise from the bottom. They are very, very tough. And um, so um, it's low volume on this day. You work up to a max single real quick. And um, and then you're you're gone. You move into your spatial exercises. I remember Josh Conley. He um, he had a 1085 squat, so his his uh, volume was around 12 and a half thousand pounds or so. Um, oh, he worked up to 805 deadlift record, standing on two inch mat, and it and um, it basically was um, around 25 or 2800 pounds. So you see how small that is, um, because he make you know he did um, you know 405, 515, 605. 
um, 705 and then 805. You add that up, that's not very much. All singles, done, record, that's what counts, a record. Get the hell out of there and go do your low back and your hamstrings and your upper back, lots of shrugs. We live on shrugs here. Mm -hmm. So do tons and tons of work like that. All right, and again, we break our record, the entire gym, at a 90% rate. And I don't know, you know better than me, Tom, what, we got like 15 guys? Yeah, best. And three girls. <laughs> And and so the but and, uh, I mean it's like you saw the last two the last two times they took away they all broke the record everyone broke the record, and, and um that was on Circle Max Day and then their deadlifts they all broke their deadlifts on the deadlift you know the special deadlift standing on two inch mat when we go to contest we um uh, the last thing I'll get into this but we pull off a, uh, we put the plates on a two inch mat now Mike Bridges told me to do this way back in the seventies it saves your um. It's what it does. It takes the leg drive out of a lift. So actually, they can lift more off the floor than they do with the plates elevated. Now, um, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, I know um, Joe, uh, our 198, he weighed 193. He had a 525 deadlift, and in two years, less than two pulled seven and a quarter. The last meet when he pulled seven and a quarter, he worked up to 665. Um, that's how he, uh, and off that 665, he pulled um, 725 in the meet pretty easy. All right? So... Remember again, eighty percent spatial exercise on the small on small exercises, twenty percent with the barbell. Max efforts even less. So, and some of the exercises um, on the bench. Oh, we're still in the we're in the squat. So I gave you all those numbers. So that's pretty much how they do it. You you want to move into the final day? Uh, okay. Uh, Wednesday is a max effort bench day. This gives you, um, for a contest, see, this would be, the last thing we'll do, I'll explain, is 10 days out, and they'll max out on the floor press. But uh, max effort, again, means work up to a max single in any exercise. Wes's favorite is the floor press, incline, decline, seated with different grips, uh, board press, one, two, three, four, or five board, pin press on at least four different pins, uh, you know, a couple pins per workout, lockouts, um, uh, or, uh, you know, at the very top where you only move the bar a couple inches or where you press the bar off your chest. Uh, but all from pins. It makes you very, very strong. The only thing that's working is your chest and shoulders and arms. No body heave at all because it's not touching your chest. <clears throat> and again, use different grips. Close grip, medium, wide. Keep records of your grips. It's very important to have all your max effort records because when you go in, you have to break them. <clears throat> now, Tom, you know we've got a person. You ask him what the record is. They don't know. I'm going, what the hell? How could you not know? And so you want to keep your records. I remember my, my pin records was, <clears throat> pin one was 730, pin two, um, it was 701 on pin one, 730 on two, 765 on pin three. This is years ago. I'll never forget these records. And so how in the hell you don't know that? Go in, and anyhow, go in and break the record by a small amount. You know, five, big guys break it by 10, but most guys want to break it by five. <clears throat> and, um, and also, uh, Wesley will also use different bars. An arch bar, it's about a two-inch camber. Um, I'm sorry, an arch bar is real wide. You it teaches you to drive your hands apart, and it teaches you to arch your back, but you, uh, you activate the triceps. Uh, bow bar is a two-inch camber. A lot of guys squat with, of course, and we do in Good Morning. Three- and five-inch camber, and the freak bar, which is the spring bar we have. We do a lot of dumbbells. Uh, Wesley will do three sets of dumbbells, uh, basically to failure, on um, it'll change. It can be flat, incline, seated, or decline. And um, but on the flat bench, Wesley will use three sets. For instance, the dumbbells with one weight. Like his weights are 100. Or, I'm sorry, 75 pound dumbbells, 100 or 110s. 
So Wesley going to take 100s, he'll do three sets. Um, you know, he might get 21 reps of 100s, and then and then he takes about five or six sec minutes and do the second and five or six and the third. So you got a one-set record and a three-set record. Keep track of these records with these different weights. Every time you go in, use a different weight. Remember, do not get caught up in the law of accommodation. Constantly switch. Um, and uh, the dumbbells is very, very important. Too many people anymore don't do dumbbell presses. And then you go into tricep extensions, lots of them heavy. Um, lats, upper back, rear and side delts, and remember some front delts, but don't overtrain them. And then uh, that's pretty much take care of max effort. You, you have any? Uh, I think we touched on a lot. Okay. Of also, one of my favorite things is weighted push-ups. I like to do a lot of weighted push-ups. Uh, when my feet on the floor and a bar and a bar in the power rack elevate about five inches off the ground. Years ago, I did 58 reps of 100 pounds on my back. Uh, my friend Gary Sanger is 198, and he had a 500 wall bench. He he did 50 53 reps. Um, um, so even though we were strong, we also had high work capacity. But then we'd also have people sit on our shoulders. And we would use, yeah. I mean, I actually had Doug Heap. My wife was not even 100 pounds at the time. Then Doug Heap was 120. Then we had a 165. And so we used that weight, sit on the shoulders better than plates. They would hold on to the power rack, sit on your back with your feet straight out, and they held on to the rack just for balance so you don't hurt yourself, your delts. And um, so that's basically how we would do the benching. That was one of my, that's one of my favorite things. And uh, Kenny Parrish did lots of heavy seated press and uh, pins. I mean, he actually did 700-pound seated press from about chin level. So, I mean, he had enormous arms, 23-and-a-half-inch arms, and, you know, five foot five or six at 275 pounds. Um, the only thing, so any questions on, on that, Tom? No, I think we've... Okay, we've touched a whole lot before we got in here on max effort. Yeah. Okay, I want to go in finally. Now, how do you go to contest? The circumax method, circumax. And uh, what does it mean? It means near max. Yes, we always break records, but we don't go to we miss. And um, so it starts 28 days out. All right, you're going to, and also this is it's only for the squat. You're going to use your suit and breeze on a parallel box, have a record, and I'll get into what Wesley done. Um, but um, you go 28 days out, you go basically take a 50% workout, so it's nice and easy, and you just take it easy that week, you know, just do moderate training. The next 21 days out is an important day. That's an all-time record. So you see it's flat, and then we hit the 21, it's all the way up. Then the next the next week, take uh, just take the suit off, only use breeze, you do 75%. All right? All right, and then the next week, big guys only would do small exercise, and small guys like Wesley would do like 330 for two or three sets of doubles, and then and then it's on to the meet. So you see, it's it's flat, and on 21 days out, it's an all-time record, peaks way up. Then you go 75% of that, and then um, then the next week, you go maybe 50% of that for small guys or big guys to a special. Then the meet, it's an all-time record, even goes higher. So you get all-time record on the Circumax day, and then three weeks later, a meet day. And by doing this, we get records on all three lifts. This is very, very important. Um, I'll give you an idea. Uh, when Wesley came, uh, he got going for 800-pound squat. But I'll give you where the meet before he broke his record. Uh, Wesley, Wesley made 515 pounds of bar weight, 375 pounds of band tension. That's 880 at the top. He squatted um, 850 pretty easy and couldn't set up with an uh, 890 world record. So the next meet... He goes, he made 535 on a box and 375, that's 910. And he's got an 890 easy for his first world record ever. And his total went from 1880 to 2080 in the course of one year. Um, 
So that's basically how he did it. Let me give you just one other example. Um, well, here, if a guy squats 600 pounds mostly and um, 375 pounds a band, they're going to squat 900 pounds for sure. If they do 600 pounds and 440, which is 44% of 1,000, they squat 1,000 pounds. A.J. Roberts, on a strength day where we use more band than weight, he made 700 pounds of bands plus 510 pounds of barbell weight. That equals 1,210. Then on Circumax, uh, 21 days out, just like Wesley, uh, A.J. made 740 bar weight, 440 band, that equals 1180. He's quite an easy 1205 net mean. That is how close this is. Um, we don't like to take real weights at all. We do it on a box. Uh, you don't cut a box. you got to sit on the same freaking box. It never gets high. It never gets low. So uh, remember, um, this is done with briefs and suit. No knee wraps, and you cannot put the straps up. Um, so that's how you do it. Circumax is seven lifts. We basically go in, and we on the way up, we'll do two doubles, and then we do three singles. Um, Circumax, if you uh, read the, the method of Circumax, it's weights between 90 and 97%. The weights would be four minimal, seven optimal, and 10 maximal. So why do I do seven? Because it says optimal, and I follow what uh, Perlipin's charge says. The guy was a genius. He's a Russian weightlifting coach for 10 years for the juniors and the seniors. Um, so that's basically how it goes. And, um, um, and then, um, then uh, of course, back to the small exercises. You know, he, Wesley lives on the small exercises. They, and also, um, like reverse hypers, the bell squat, and inverse curl, and so forth. Pulling sleds for restoration and GPP. Um, and also, you need restoration. Wesley goes to a chiropractor on a regular basis. He gets some ART work. He does self-massage. We have uh, traction tables in the gym. And um, Wesley normally lifts. He normally walks around about 175, so he has to cut 10 pounds. Uh, Wesley always wears injured gear. Um, he wears um, the lace-up uh, canvas. It's the, um, uh, the Leviathan uh, Super Pro. Injured wraps. Uh, uh, Super Duper. Um, um, Phenom. Phenom. And uh, triple ply. And, you know, if you're going to wear gear, if you're going to a knife fight, bring a big knife. So he wears the best gear there is. But, I mean, by doing this, he's gone from 8 to 890. And um, his bench, 515 to 590. His dead at 560 to 620. There's a lot left in him. I told Wesley when he came here, my goal for Wesley is to break the all-time world record by Kuchar. I believe it's 2172. And Wesley, I believe, will do this. It's going to take him maybe one more year. Uh, remember, it's a multi-year training system. Wesley does what we, we plan, we go. He's, I think every meet I've ever seen him in, he made three benches. Um, the last meet, they turned one down for his opener for not locking out, but it was locked out. But then he made, um, you know, two more and an easy 590 already benched over six. And, again, he, you know, I mentioned his training partners. That's a huge help uh, for motivation and just, you know, support. And and the old the West Side lifters, Jake and Chuck and Joe Bayless and Luke Edwards. And um, so he always used our machines. That's how he evaluates himself. And, um and he does a lot of stuff in, um, in the belt squat for the static holds and a lot of static deadlifts. And that's pretty much how Wesley's done this. And that's pretty much a, a normal West Side philosophy of training. And is, are a lot of this covered in your books, just the overview? Just yes. Like the, the, the bench manual and the, the squat and deadlift the, manual? The bench manual and the squat manual covered. Uh, the, the, the book of methods covered. Um, even uh, in the, uh, the spatial strength for all sports, sports. I believe, covers yeah. it. So I, I cover all my periodization in all my books because all sports have to have it. I just don't run the graphs up to yeah. 1,200 pounds. Yeah. You know, track people, they don't need, you know, 700 pounds would be enormous. 
Right. One, one other thing I recommend people, if, if you can do it, uh, do 40 jumps twice a week. Uh, that's the definition of explosive power is jumping. And uh, one thing Wesley, like I said, was enormously strong, but a real grinder. And Tom, you've noticed he's gotten quite a bit faster. He's gotten quite a bit faster. So, uh, and, but I think all in all, this is what helped him get where he is. Okay. Well, this is the Westside Barbell Podcast. I'd like to thank Lou. And we'll be back to you really quick because we got another one coming up next week. This is Westside Barbell with strength and conditioning legend, Louis Simmons. WestsideBarbell.com, the strongest website in the world.